Welcome to the Extraordinary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Walker. I'm the pastor of Upward Church and the author of the book, Born for the Extraordinary. And I want to welcome you to the podcast and my guest, my beautiful daughter, Candace Orlando. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you. And we um, last week, we talked about traveling light mm -hmm. into 2022. And if you missed that podcast, I hope they go back and listen because we don't want to carry extra weight that weighs us down. We want to be super successful in 2022. And as a teaser, next week, we're going to start a new series about how leaders fall, mm -hmm. how the mighty have fallen. And we see that happening in our culture a lot right now, unfortunately. But before we talk about leaders, I want us today to talk about all of us. And I want to discuss this topic. We hear people in our culture say, make this statement. We're all the children of God, right? And it's this assumption that it means more than we're just more than we're made in the image of God or the offspring of God. It means that, hey, we're all going to heaven because we're all children of God. And I want to discuss what the Bible says differentiates between being merely the offspring of God made in his image and what it means to be a child of God in the family of God and going to heaven. Mm. So before we get into that discussion, I want to set it up with the words of Jesus. And it's important that people know that this is the same Jesus that a lot of people picture Jesus as someone who was not confrontational or someone who was always loving and he didn't judge anyone. But again, these are the words of Jesus. This is what he said written in scripture for us. It's out of John 8 and I'm reading verse 31. It says to the Jews who had believed him. Now, let me just stop and say it's important to know who he's talking to. It says to the Jews who had believed him. So they believed in Jesus. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 33 says, they answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus responds in verse 41 and says, you're doing the works of your own father. And they say, we're not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Which Jesus, loving Jesus, responded this way. Imagine Jesus looking someone in the eye and saying this. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, 
the devil and you want to carry out your own father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus looks to people who believed in him in the eye and says, your father's the devil. Does that surprise you that the Jesus you know or the Jesus people think of said those words? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I was in, I went to Liberty, a, a Christian college. So at the beginning of your college career, you have to take a lot of theology courses. It's like the first semester. And I remember coming to Christian and I was like, do you know that we were all born sinners? We're all born evil. And like, to me, that was so shocking because I always viewed people as generally good and, and lovely and like nice people and all of that. And Christian was like, literally, that's the epitome of being a Christian. You have to recognize <laughs> that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus and his salvation. And I was like, well, I, I missed that for the last like 15 years of my Christian life. And you're referring to Christian, my son, yeah. your brother. Yeah. And I think it's because you came to faith at an early age mm -hmm. and and walked with the Lord through your life. And um, well, it's also hard, too, because Jesus is so merciful, like he gave the ultimate sacrifice but he's also a straight talker. So sometimes it's hard to mesh those two sides of him in your mind, I think, maybe for people in general. For me in particular, I, I'm like, come, wait, <laughs> Jesus, come on. Right. That's a little harsh. And, and this flies in the face of that cultural statement. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're all the children of God, right? There are many ways to God. We all get to heaven eventually. But Jesus is saying, no, you're you're not in the family because you have a different father and your father is the devil. He's saying believing in me isn't enough. Exactly. Because the Bible goes on to say that even the devils believe in him. They believe so much that they fear and tremble. But we know devils, devils don't make heaven. And also we know there are a lot of people who, hey, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in some guy that hung on a cross and died. But they don't believe enough that their fear causes them to tremble. Mm. So mm. the level of belief that demons have in Jesus is greater than the belief that most people have because their fear will not even keep them away from sin. And yet Jesus says, listen, believing's not enough. Mm. And this flies in the face of a lot of doctrine, theology that's in our culture. That, hey, if you asked Jesus in your heart when you were six and you believed in him, but yet your life doesn't resemble his life, what he wants for you, you're all good because you believe in him. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to read another scripture to you about that. And 1 John kind of gives us really the litmus test. 
Are you really in the family of God? Are you really a child of God? And here it is in 1 John 3, 7. It says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. No pastor, no preacher, no seminary. You yourself, because we are our own worst deceivers sometimes. Make sure no one deceives you. The person who practice, practices righteousness is righteous in the same way that Jesus is righteous. The person who practices sin belongs to the devil. Now, this is what Jesus just said to the Jews. He said, your father's the devil because you're doing the works of the devil. Pretty straight up. Pretty straight up. Because the devil's been sinning since the beginning. God's son appeared for this pur purpose to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, God, God wants to destroy the works of sin in my life. That's why he came. Those born from God don't practice sin because God's DNA remains in them. They can't sin because they are born from God. This is how God's children and the devil's children are apparent. So this is the test. It's like a pregnancy test or a COVID test. You take that test and from that test, that strip, it becomes apparent. Am I pregnant? Do I have COVID? And Jesus says, this is the test when it's apparent whether or not you're a child of God or a child of the devil, because we're one or, one or, one or the other. Right. That's what the Bible teaches. He says, this is, now, this is how God's children and the devil's children are apparent. Everyone who doesn't practice righteousness is not from God, including the person who doesn't love a brother or a sister. Wow. I'm thankful that there is a test that you're able to know one way or another. He doesn't just leave you with like, you could be a child of God or a child of the devil. Like at least there's some clear cut thing you can look at and go, all right, where am I at? And that clear cut thing you look at is your life. Mm -hmm. Are you practicing righteousness or are you practicing sin? That's the difference. James said it this way. Faith without works is dead. Right. So I have to look at my life. If I'm if I was truly born, born again, I, there's no way I can take the holy God inside of me and keep living an unholy life. It just, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. The DNA of God becomes a part of our DNA. And yet we know that we do sin. We do fall into sin. And there's a big difference between practicing sin, living in sin, and falling into it question for you is have you ever when you sinned when you fell into sin did you ever feel like maybe you weren't a child of god then or you no that's the truthful answer um i was reading this question a little bit ago and i was thinking about how important it is to have i think i'm very lucky in that i had a christian father growing up 
And so I was able to look at how my earthly dad treated me and, and use that as a guide of how, how God would also act towards you and see you. And so with your earthly father, like if you, if you do something that you know is wrong, you, you never feel like you're going to get disowned or like your dad might treat you different or see you different. You might see repercussions, obviously, but that's not going to change his, his opinion of you, if right. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think because I had that security growing up and I had that filter that I was looking at God through, I never, I never really questioned that one. I think that's a really a key point mm -hmm. because a lot of people have felt rejection mm -hmm. from their parents, from a spouse, divorced. And I'm sure that impacts how they see the, the Lord, too, outside of reading the Bible and being able to know his character that way. Yes, absolutely. That's why it's important to be around godly examples and be connected to the family of God, because mm -hmm. you may have a rotten example. And you might not know it. Yes. And this whole thing of I've been disowned, I've sinned, I've been disowned. That's really what you're saying. If you say I'm out of the family of God, I'm disowned. Well, we know God doesn't disown his children. Mm -hmm. But when we practice sin, the Bible says we're crucifying the Lord afresh. And if we continue in that sin, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. I would say at that point, you're disowning the Lord, though. You're kind of cutting him off as opposed to him cutting you off. By your actions, by your lifestyle. Because if you're truly born again, a holy spirit, not an unholy spirit, came inside of you mm. to lead and guide you into all truth, into holiness. There's another scripture that says without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Well, how can we be holy? Not with our own works. That's where grace comes in. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But Titus 2.10 tells us that the grace of God that brings salvation. So we're talking about salvation grace. Teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, and to live righteously and soberly in this life and in the life to come. Well, and I don't think it feels like this. How do I live righteously? I don't, I don't feel like it, it is this legalistic thing. Cause I think that's what people turn to normally was like, is like, man, you're being really legalistic about that, but you don't live your life all day. Like, is this a righteous act or anything like that? But as you have this relationship with the Lord, it just kind of naturally happens. Like he c communicates with you. He really does. If, if you sin, you feel this overwhelming sadness, just like with your natural dad when you're a kid. If you do something wrong, you're sad you disappointed your dad because you know how much he loves you and you want to please him. It's like with any friendship too, I think. You know, you just gotta, you, you, you purposefully make sure you're respecting your friends and respecting your family and showing them how much you love them. And you don't think about it. It just comes naturally. I think the key from what you're saying too, is that if you're on the outside mm -hmm. and you're not truly born again, it does look like this legalistic effort to live righteously. 
Which and, is because sad. It, it really is. If you're not born again and you've, you've got it in your head, but not in your heart, you are trying to do it. it mm. It's Paul in Romans 6 where he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do do. That's Romans 7. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? It's miserable what he's living. Yeah. And then Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. From the outside, unless you're born again, or you just have a head knowledge, it is this legalistic track that you cannot win at. Mm. I think that's how sometimes people start thinking that you're judging their lifestyle too, yes. which is really sad because you're, you're not, you shouldn't be thinking about someone else's lifestyle for the most part, unless if they're a Christian and they've asked for your right. input. For the most part, you should just be living your life, but somehow that translates into your being judgmental. And that's something that I still struggle with, like in friendships and everything. I think sometimes I've come across as, as maybe judgy or something. And really I was just, I guess I at times have put my relationship with the Lord over my friendship relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you needed to. I mean, if it yeah. comes to something that you're going to violate your conscience, what you feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to do, mm -hmm. Not that then I've always have done to obey that. <laughs> I want to just add yeah. for the record. Yeah, it's very true. You can you can appear like you're judging people when that's the furthest thing from your mind, but it appears that way simply because you're not participating mm. in what they're judging in. One of a great example is the use of alcohol. Mm. For a lot of people, alcohol is just the Holy Spirit said don't touch it, don't be a part of it, don't hang around with it. And I just think that's a good rule in general, personally. But the Bible has its own guidelines for alcohol. Right. But before I get off on a rabbit trail there, <laughs> when you're with people who are drinking mm -hmm. and you're not drinking, in many occasions I have witnessed where they felt like my life was judging their life. And that was not anywhere in my head. It was nowhere in my mind. I've um, just started ordering coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> as long as you get something that's fun to you, people seem to calm down a little bit. I'm like, it's 9 p.m. at night. Can I have coffee? <laughs> so you put them at ease. You, yeah. you grab the coffee. <laughs> yeah. So... We're, we've established from this scripture then that not everyone who hangs around the family mm -hmm. is really in the family because there are a lot of people in church that, that they are, they're not practicing righteousness. They're practicing sin. And have you ever found someone in your natural life have you had somebody who is like family, but they weren't family? I mean, well, yes. <laughs> um, 
I was introduced to Richie's family, which is already a big Italian family. But if you know Italian... So how big is the family? So everybody knows. He ha How many siblings does he have? I'm going to have to count. It okay. might take a minute. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. I think there's seven total. And then they all have wives and they all have kids. And then you have aunts and uncles and there's a bajillion of them i couldn't count for the people and then on top of that if you know italian culture everyone is an aunt or an uncle and they are not blood whatsoever so like figuring out <laughs> who's actually blood and who's not like needs an entire graph but after a while it's like oh they really are aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so because they're they're at every family thing so the only thing they're missing is the same dna <laughs> but that was my introduction to like family not actually family and getting all that straight in my head <laughs> so a lot of people feel like family yeah. but they're not family they're aunts and uncles even yeah but they're not really blood yeah well like you've turned into uncle pc yeah, with yeah. my nieces and right, nephews right. you're like you're an uncle now yeah <laughs> so again the difference so everybody's clear from scripture is you must be born again and that's what told, jesus told nicodemus you have to be born again by the spirit and that is a necessity. And if you're born again, we've established from the scriptures that we read, Bible, what the Bible says, and what Jesus said. Who are you going to argue with if Jesus says it, right? There's no higher authority. Yeah. He says, if you're not born again, your father is the devil. And if you're born again, God becomes your father. And if that happens, you will not make a practice of sinning. Mm. In fact, the fruit of your life will be different fruit, peace, joy, goodness, self-control. All these fruits of the Spirit will become evident because you change from being a lemon tree to being an apple tree mm -hmm. would be an analogy. The lemon tree can't, cannot produce anything but lemons. If the lemon were to become an apple tree, it wouldn't produce lemons anymore. Right. But we sin, and when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The Bible says, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's right at the right hand of the Father, who's interceding for us, reminding the Father that, oh, wait a minute, I paid for their penalty. Which I think is a sweet point to make because we do see Jesus and His straight-upness and almost the harsher side of Jesus but he does that out of love and then he fights for you. He yes. is that advocate, yes. which is so sweet. What It wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't be just and it wouldn't be loving if God and Jesus didn't tell us the truth straight up because eternity is in the balance here. This is an eternity in hell or an eternity in heaven. So a loving father is going to say to his children, listen, here's what it takes and these are the consequences if you don't do it. If you do, there's a great life for you. It is what it is, either way. It is what it is, but love compels us to tell people the truth. Right. Wouldn't you rather know what it is? Right. So, this is an issue, a big issue, 
because we are living in the last days. And the Bible says that deception will be rampant, higher than it's ever been in the last days. We're, we're so close to the return of the Lord. Mm. And we can see things shaping up for Jesus to come back. You know, the pandemic, the vaccinations. I mean, it's just not hard to imagine now the day that's going to come that Revelation tells us about where people will have to have a mark representing this false prophet and the beast and the Antichrist to buy and sell. The whole world would have to have a mark. Back when I was a kid, no one could really picture how that could be a reality. But now it's not really hard at all because if you don't have a vaccination, you can't eat in some restaurants, you can't fly to some countries. And we're not saying at all that the pandemic or the vaccination is the mark of the beast, but you can surely see how it has constrained our freedoms and took away our freedoms and how, let's just give a likely scenario, not hard to imagine. Imagine a pandemic comes down now that people are dropping like flies and it is multiplying across countries, multiplying, multiplying. People are falling dead and somebody steps up with the answer and says, if you take my mark, you will not get sick. You will not die. We just need to put a chip or mark, whatever it is, man. Can you see that scenario? It's not hard to imagine that scenario. Mm-mm. So this is what the Bible says. It says there will, t- there will come a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. They will collect teachers who say what they want to hear because they are self-centered. They will turn their back on the truth mm-hmm and turn to myths. That's 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Do you think that's happening today? Do you think people are turning to teaching that, you know, scratches their itchy ears? Yeah. Well, I think our whole life is customizable nowadays to whatever it is. Like even your Instagram ads are are marketed just specifically for you. So, if, if your whole life is comfortable and then you go to church and you hear something uncomfortable, aren't you, you're not going to be used to it. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like the way it makes you feel. So you're probably just going to move on to someone else who makes you feel the warm, fuzzy feelings. That's my personal opinion. Like there was a couple, there were a couple Sundays ago, you were giving a message and I felt like it was a nice light one, pretty encouraging. And there was a couple that got up and walked out and I was sitting there and I was like, I don't even know what could have been so offensive. And then, you know, it makes you think, what are they going to do when they're actually hit with something that is hard to swallow? Like, it's not easy to hear that, you know, people that you love who say that they believe in Jesus might not be living in this, this Christ-likeness. But you got to hear it. You got to be willing to listen. How hard is it for Jesus to look you in the eye and say, your father's the devil? I mean. <laughs> and the reason I'm telling you that is because your life 
is you're practicing sin. You're doing the works of your devil, of the devil, mm -hmm. your father. And then first John telling us this is when it's apparent who your father is. Are you living righteously, which means in right standing? That's what righteousness means. Or are you practicing sin? And there's a big difference between walking towards God. After you repented, you were going one way. Repentance means to turn around. So you turned around and you started walking towards Jesus. When you sin, then you fall into sin. Right. You ask the Lord to forgive you and you keep going the same direction. But practicing sin is when you quit following that path and you turn back around and head in the wrong direction away from Jesus because the cares of this life, mm -hmm. because your friends have deserted you, because it's hard, because you give in to temptation. And, G and this scripture really nailed it when it said, you're going to have people that attract people that tell them, oh, you're okay. Right. We're all the children of God, right? And they'll want to hear that because the problem is they are self-centered instead of God-centered. You know what I keep thinking about? When you, I, when I first became gluten-free, they were like, don't even start eating gluten-free yet. Just write down how many times you eat gluten because you will be amazed by how much it's actually in your life throughout the day. And I started tracking it and I was like, every meal I have has gluten in it. And I was just thinking to myself, I should start tracking what happens in my day because you, you get a lot of time in your day and I try to start it off right with a devotional and stuff. But from there, what in my life is actually pursuing the Lord and what of it is just fluff and, and you know, Instagram scrolling and all of that. I think we would all be pretty surprised if we started actually tracking what our life really looks like. Because like you said, we're, it's really easy to deceive yourself most of all. Well, there's a scripture that comes to mind. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Mm. And that numbering is taking into account the day like you're talking about. It's so true. The, the, the deceiver you have to watch the most is the person that's reflected in your mirror mm -hmm. because they're always biased to you. They're always going to tell you, you are justified for telling that person off. Mm -hmm. You were justified for cheating on your hourly work week. You're justified because they deserve my anger. Or even small stuff like you're justified to watch that Netflix show because it's really hard to find something that's clean. Just little teeny stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So the question for our listeners is, who is your father? Mm -hmm. And that's the question. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. And I think it's most difficult for a lot of church kids that have been raised in church and in their head, they know the right answers. They know what's required and they get into that legalistic thing where they, they 
don't want to do sin, but they want to at the same time. Mm. And it just seems impossible. So they just settle for Jesus is my savior, but he's not my Lord. Mm. And it can't be that way. It's he's going to be Lord of all or he's Lord, not at all. And for those listeners, I would say, man, go to Jesus and really ask him to reveal himself to you and repent and ask him to change your heart. And when you get a real change of heart, the miraculous born again experience happens. Mm -hmm. There's a night and day difference in your life. It's unmistakable to the people around you and to you something different has happened. And I think a lot of people sitting in church have not had that experience. They've been sold a bill of goods that you walked up front, you raised your hand, you're all good, but they raise their hand week after week after week. You know why? Because deep down they know I'm still not there. I'm still not a child of God because when we're children of God, the Bible says the spirit within us cries out, Daddy God, Abba Father, which gets back to what you said about the father example that you had earthly that helped you to understand my dad, my heavenly dad is not going to disown me when I sin. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have asked me this question. They say, what happens if the Lord is coming back in this one moment and the moment the trumpet sounds, I'm lying, but I'm a child of God. And I think you, your analogy is a beautiful answer. Would an earthly father, a loving earthly father, disown their child in that moment? No, no. there's no way he's going to do that. But at the same time, don't live a sloppy life. My grandfather said, if you die right, if you live right, you'll die right. Mm. And I think that's a great place to leave off today to our listeners. I think that's some great advice today. If you live right, you'll die right. No matter when that day comes, no matter if the trump of God sounds today, tomorrow, next month, if you live right, you will die right. You can't live right on your own. You don't have enough strength. You can never be good enough. That's where the grace of God comes in. His grace came to give us what we didn't deserve, unmerited favor, and to enable us to say no to sin. And only by His grace can that happen. And if you'll cooperate with the Holy Spirit when you ask Him in your life and get born again, He will enable you and he will bring you into his family and he'll never disown you as long as you keep walking towards him. The only thing that can separate you from God is you. You're the only one. No devil, no demon, no power in heaven and earth can separate us except our own personal will because God has made us not robots, but he's made us people with a will and he will not cross that line. He will never force us to do anything. So live right and die right 
and ask Jesus in your heart. I want to pray right now for you. Father, I thank you for all of our listeners. I ask you right now, Jesus, for those that say, wow, I don't know. I'm looking at my life and I don't like what I see on my test score. Lord, ask him. Speak to them, Lord. Reveal yourself to them. Let them cry out to you right now, Lord, and give them that born-again experience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Join us next week on The Extraordinary Life.